You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, NFL fans, to another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day with your Tuesday host, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and myself, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. Thanks to a lack of unnatural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. And Luke, I know we're going to be watching from home. What is it that you're most excited to see with these Minnesota Vikings? With my Vikings, there has been a, a breakout rookie. Justin Jefferson just went for a buck 75 and a touchdown against the Titans. I'm super excited to see what happens to him going forward. I'm all about that. Go Tigers. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. On today's episode of Locked On NFL, we're recapping the Monday night Chiefs win over the Baltimore Ravens, which just solidified Patrick Mahomes as the best player in the NFL. Then Luke and I are going to continue our Lock It or Mock It series, this time with head coaches. Are we buying the hot seat narratives around four coaches in particular, including one down in the bayou? And finally, we're joined by Marcus Mosher of Locked On Cowboys and Locked On Dynasty Football for your Locked On Tuesday Fantasy Forum. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, joined as always on Tuesdays by Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL. This is Locked on NFL. Yeah, so you want to start with the, uh, the, the ritual sacrifice of the Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> <laughs> it seems to happen every season here now, doesn't it? I mean, Lamar They Jackson just can't just, get past the Chiefs. They it's can't so funny. do it. Because yeah, you remember the Alex Smith Chiefs and their curse with the Patriots. Uh, they finally yes, yes. turned it around, and now they've sunk their teeth into some other hopeful franchise. Uh. <laughs> but, but my goodness, that felt like I was watching a different sport. Like the way that that Lamar Jackson and the plays designed around him and the plays that Andy Reid made, there's so much creativity in both of those offenses mm-hmm. and not to mention the speed and the skill. You know, you have guys like Miko Hardman, fifth round pick, you know, uh, guys like Marquise Brown, guys like Tyreek Hill. I think he was like sixth round and stuff. These are guys that are basically we're, we're seeing coming out as just burners. And these coaches have found a way to make them entirely unguardable with really good schemes, really good designs yep. and just really interesting, creative stuff. And I, I kept thinking, you know, you and I, we're fans of one of the other 30 teams. And right. I got to think fans of all of the other 30 teams have to look at that game and say, what is my team not doing that this team is doing? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the Chiefs were so good that they were able to, I mean, that like even the tackle wasn't guardable. Like they, that was just rude. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to just rub it in the faces of all the Baltimore, you know, all the Baltimore players there, but what an absolute game. And of course, you know, you mentioned that we're fans of, uh, you know, each, each different of the, uh, the 30 other teams in the NFL, but you know, the, 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 the sort of product that I'm used to seeing in Drew Brees, the product that you're used to seeing in Kirk Cousins, very different and far less creative, as you, as you mentioned, than the product that we got to see on Monday night. 
Right. And you know, and I'm not saying like, of course you're not going to have Drew Brees start running read options all the time. Right. Like that's Maybe not. Maybe he what, should. I don't know. I mean, I'll try anything work. at this point. But <laughs> you know, a, a fullback shovel screen with a little mm-hmm. motion at the snap. I mean, that's genius. And anybody can, can run that at the goal line, you know, spread the offense out, make those things happen. I, I feel like teams are not stealing enough from Andy Reid, considering he just won a Super Bowl off of doing this. And you do, right. there's a lot of those things you don't need to have Patrick Mahomes to do. Certainly works out better with Patrick Mahomes and his just raw ability is also unguardable. There were so many times watching this where I just tried to put my, my, myself in the shoes of a defensive coordinator and go, okay, what, what should they have done with the benefit of hindsight? And I can't figure out what the answer to that is. Like, what do you do about the Chiefs? I, I have no idea. Hope they drop the pass, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a wild game. I mean, uh, 34 to 20 final score here with Kansas City Chiefs, of course, coming out on top. We did get our first kick return for a touchdown from Devin Duvernay of the Baltimore Ravens. And in that moment, you kind of felt like, okay, well, maybe there's some momentum going Baltimore's way. We've certainly seen them benefit off of kick returns historically in the past and momentum (laughs) (laughs) shifts in that way. But when it comes down to it, I mean, look, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs scored 21 points in the second quarter. By the time the first quarter was over, you ended up having, I'm sorry, by the time the first half was over, Patrick Mahomes already had four touchdowns. And then after that, they were just able to sort of just focus on putting this game away. I mean, outside of the, the creative play calling and everything over on the offensive side, over on the defensive side, it just seemed like Kansas City was the better defensive team than Baltimore in this game. Maybe it came down to scheme. Maybe it came down to familiarity. But Kansas City's defense really stood out when I thought Baltimore's was going to be the better one coming into this game. Yeah, and there was a lot of pressure. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a lot of Lamar Jackson, you know, having to evade pressure, run around, throw a pass, and then like Marquise Brown drops it. And there's right. just a lot of the, the talent surrounding Lamar Jackson let him down in this one, which was kind of sad to see because like Lamar Jackson, when the team around him is, is you know, at, at functional a little bit, he mm-hmm. becomes this, such a fun player. And it just felt like it was it, so much talented product was going to waste because Mark Andrews couldn't catch the pass. <laughs> yes. um, and, and that defensive line, you know, with like Frank Clark and Chris Jones and all those guys, just decimating a Ravens offensive line that I thought was one of the better units in the league. It's mm-hmm. it's the Chiefs look scary right now. They're going to be the Super Bowl favorite for a while, and it's probably deserved. Yeah, very much. I don't really know where anyone slows down the Chiefs after this. Uh, Lamar Jackson, just to talk a little bit more about his day, 15 of 28 uh, in passing attempts, but only 97 yards in this game, a new career low. His previous low was 105 yards, one touchdown, and he also rushed for 83 yards. I mean, the guy did everything that he could with a leading receiver being J.K. Dobbins with four catches for 38 yards, and as you mentioned, catches that you know would have helped him, helped his numbers, helped the team continue to move forward and extend drives, just not being able to be completed either via, via drops or just good defense from the Chiefs. And so this one felt uh, pretty lopsided and pretty uh, one-sided in favor of the Chiefs for most of this game, which I was surprised about uh, with what my expectations were going into it. Yeah, it really sucks. I mean, credit to the defense uh, in Kansas City to take a Lamar Jackson offense and force it into becoming a checkdown offense. That's a, quite right. an accomplishment, but from a pure entertainment perspective, you know, Ravens on prime time. Uh, that's, that's, that's a bummer, but Hey, the chiefs didn't want it to be fun. They wanted it to be a win. Yeah, they definitely wanted it to be a win and uh, definitely made it happen. <laughs> and yeah. now we'll continue to keep up to date with the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, who's going to be clearly the mo- one of the most exciting teams, which we kind of already knew, but I think this just really solidified it as sort of the S-tier team uh, in the NFL at this point. And there'll be a lot of fun to keep up with. But S-tier for those gamer teams, lingo. You know, <laughs> I am throwing out the gamer lingo today because, you know, we have the S-tier For the team. boomers in the crowd. <laughs> 
<laughs> we got that, right? We got the S tier team, but now there's the uh, sort of low hanging fruit, you know, the, the teams that maybe aren't doing so well that, uh, you know, might have some coaching issues on the horizon here. Some and that's what we're going to be discussing. Yes, yeah, some big decisions to make coming up. So we're going to have that, have that coming up for you here next with our Lock It or Mock It segment. But before we get to that, the one thing that you know you're never going to have to have any trouble with and that you're never going to have to doubt is rockauto.com. And they're a huge sponsor here for the show, good friends of ours, and we appreciate very much their support. And we want to tell you all about them because they have helped me a ton. And Luke, I know they've been helpful to you as well. The last thing that I bought from rockauto.com was a new battery because I left my car sitting out on the street for too long, got too hot, battery died. What's the last thing that you bought from Rock Auto? that you look for from rock auto uh it should have been a battery i did the same thing i left it in the garage for too long at the beginning of quarantine because i forgot you have to drive it around Mm -hmm. and i ended up buying a new battery from a brick and mortar auto shop and then i was like oh man i should have looked at rock auto i could have saved like 150 bucks it was it was it was like me buy things from rock auto (laughs) that's right don't be luke be Ross. Go to rockauto.com <laughs> and go ahead and check them out. And it's one of my favorite things, especially right now when going out just feels so uncomfortable sometimes. Anyway, you could do this and head over to rockauto.com from your couch, from your desk, wherever it is that you are on your phone, you'll be able to do it and just check them out. They've got every make, every model, every part, and several options for every part that you could look for, think of, imagine, and not imagine. They've got you covered over there. And don't forget to let them know that we sent you by writing a locked on and the how'd you hear about us section. That's rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, coming up in a bit, we're going to have Marcus Mosher. We're going to talk about fantasy, give you some advice, some waiver wire stuff, so you're not going to want to miss that. But first, we got to come in to this Lock It or Mock It segment. And on today's menu is hot seat head coaching narratives. Of course, you know, this is the time of year where we start to kind of figure out who's in, who's out, which teams are not going to live up to expectations and which teams are going to have to decide to make a change at the most important position on their staff. So let's start with a softball. Let's start with, you know, one of the obvious ones, Ross, tell me about it. The Jets are, are Jets fans, Jets media, and Mm. everybody is talking about Adam Gase. Is this finally the time that where Adam Gase is going to get booted and they're going to bring in somebody else to that vicious New York media style? So Adam Gase, hot seat narrative, you buy it, you lock it or mock it. No, he's fine. I am going to lock it. I- I'm going to say this guy is almost done yeah. here. Uh, you know, and, and if you listen, listen to John Butchko over at Locked on Jets, I believe he feels very strongly as well. I mean, look, Adam Gase was a curious hire to begin with. You look at the fact that this team is now 0-3 and really not looking like they're really ever going to improve. The best receiving talent that they've shown so far was five foot nine Braxton Berrios this past week. And then you have Le'Veon Bell get hurt. There's so many different things going on around this team uh, who also may be losing Mekhi Becton for an extended amount of time or at least a short period. There's just too much going on around this team. Say again? And he was looking good too. Yeah, he was looking really, really good. They finally kind of had like that guy that could protect, you know, Sam Darnold, but Sam Darnold just couldn't protect himself and still making a ton of bad decisions. Made Xavier Rhodes look good for a game with two interceptions, including a pick six. I know, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. <laughs> but uh, man, I, I gotta, I gotta say that when it comes to Adam Gase, uh, I'm just. I'm not buying, I'm buying the narrative that he's in the hot seat and I'm buying further into the narrative that this could be very close to it for him. The guy has, this is my little nugget about Adam Gase. He has more double digit losses than he, I'm sorry. He has just as many double digit losses in his coaching career as he has wins of any kind. Man, I remember when he was like the hot ticket offensive coach coming out of Chicago and didn't work out in Miami. And, and it's, it's, it's a weird 
culture thing over there. The, the yeah. culture that Adam Gase has built, it seems to be this thing that he like swears by and it's just not working out. Yeah, there's no evidence towards, uh, there's no, uh, uh, what do you call it? No proof of concept at all when it comes to whatever it is that Adam Gase is trying to sell in, uh, in New York. So I think very soon we'll see that go by the wayside. All right, let's go over to uh, actually the division that the Vikings play in, NFC North. They had a curious uh, coaching hire not too long ago here with Matt Patricia of the Detroit Lions. Lock it or mock it, is he on the hot seat? Yeah, and I remember that being kind of confused by that one. I never liked that hire in, in Detroit. I mean, I did. I liked it for my bias, but I always thought it was going to be problematic <laughs> because, like, he never seemed like in, in New England when he was a defensive coordinator, those defenses were not the best iterations of Patriots defenses under Belichick that we'd ever seen. And mm-hmm. so when he was, like, the, the hottest defensive or the hottest, like, head coaching candidate coming out that year and the Lions got him, I was like, that's really weird that everybody's, like, really in to, to Matt Patricia. And I think it's a similar problem to Adam Gates where he's tried to build this Belichickian, like stand up mm-hmm. straight kind of culture. And it just doesn't buy in with the players. Players don't yeah. buy into that kind of thing. And it, I think we've seen way more examples of that kind of thing not working out than, you know, the, the Belichickian, like do your job culture right. seems to be a bit of a unicorn. And anytime somebody tries to leave and replicate that New England culture somewhere else, you know, you get lots of Romeo Cornell's and Matt Patricia's and uh, like name your former Belichick assistant. Right. right. Um, it's been, and he's supposed to be a defensive coach. He runs this really weird scheme where they rush three and they drop eight in a coverage and play this like crazy man to man thing. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't been able to produce really good defense. They had an off season where they kind of treaded water. We talked about this on the NFC North, the ultimate crossover. We mm-hmm. do an ultimate division crossover every, uh, every off season with all four hosts of, of that division. And mm-hmm. for the NFC North one, you know, we talked, about the the offseason the Lions had and how, you know, yeah, they, they had the third overall pick. They got Jeff Okuda. That's really exciting, but they lost Darius Slay. So it's right. going to be a wash at best. And it, I think the way that that franchise has been run in the Matt Patricia era hasn't distinguished itself from previous Lions regimes. And that's not a very good thing. Not a very good thing at all. And one of the things that makes it so tough for the Matt Patricia hire too, is that, you know, he's trying to replicate that system and he even tried to bring in players that are familiar with it and still just can't seem to make it happen. And I think that that is just a sign of sort of the top down communication. You're not really doing a good job setting this up. Matt Patricia, great defensive coordinator with the right head coach, not necessarily the head coach that is going to make another defensive coordinator look good. So yeah, I got to agree with you on that one. Yeah, and, and I think in terms of like his actual firing, I, I do think, I don't know if it'll be a mid-season kind of thing, mm-hmm. but I could definitely see a Black Monday move for uh, uh, sure. Matt Patricia if things don't turn around in Detroit. All right, so you threw it to, to my like home division, but I'm going to go right at you. Let's do it. Sean Payton. What's yeah. going on over there? They're one and two. This is not the right Saints team. It's supposed to be. They've been in win-now mode for like a decade. You've got Breeze. I mean, no Michael Thomas, but you still have Kamara. He looks as good as Amazing ever. Amazing right now. And, I mean, Sean Payton has already survived a bunch of – a whole streak of like seven, seven nine seasons and mm-hmm. stuff. What's going on? Is he safe or is it time for a new era? Yeah, I, I love this pick, and I'm glad that we're talking about it. I'm going to go mock it on this one. I'm not buying the hot seat talk for Sean Payton just yet. I have seen it. I've seen it around. I've seen it from Saints fans and non-Saints fans alike. I'm not buying the Sean Payton thing just yet because I think that in order for you to really get an assessment on Sean Payton as a head coach, you have to get him past the potential. I I think you have to look at the quarterback situation first and then see can Sean Payton win after Drew Brees. 
And then you sort of make that decision about whether or not you're ready to move on from Sean Payton. You know, was Sean Payton carried by the talent and the historic expertise of Drew Brees and the historic quarterback play of Drew Brees? Or can Sean Payton make another quarterback work in a system that he has created? I think you have to give him that opportunity first before you can move on from him. I don't really think it matters how poorly this season ends up for the Saints, which I still think that the Saints are very much in contention to be a double-digit win team and have the ten- – let me say they have the talent to do it. Let me say it that way. They just need to get the rhythm and groove like many NFL teams are looking for right now. But before I'm ready to say that Sean Payton is on the hot seat, I think you need to see him with another quarterback first. Yeah, and, and there will be a good litmus test. If it, if it is Jameis Winston who's like mm-hmm. takes over next or if, even if he plays any games this year because of injury or whatever, um, I mean, he's like couldn't be more opposite from Drew Brees stylistically. Right. So do they change his scheme for him would be really interesting. But I think with like long-tenured head coaches like that, if you look at the long-tenured head coaches and the way that their time, like the, w- the way that that tenure ended, a lot of times it is – uh, a streak of being good for a long time, followed by just, it just takes one year, one, four and 12, one, five and 11, right, one really right. bad three and eight start that got Andy Reed kicked out of Philadelphia. That got John Gruden kicked out of Tampa. That got Jeff Fisher kicked out of the Rams. That is, I think that like what it takes good coaches, coaches that have had a long successful tenure, like Sean Payton, don't get kicked out for seven and nine. They get kicked yeah. out for something worse than that. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention just Sean Payton's connection to the city too, in terms of when he came into sure. New Orleans, the connection to the organization, all of that other stuff, I think precedes anything, or let me say supersedes anything about how this season in particular in a nexus unfolds. I think there's still more to be proved. So, but you, you know, we were talking about winning successful coaches. Um, we we got to look over to the NFC East here for a moment and talk about a team that we don't usually talk about when it comes to coaching, at least not here recently. We're talking about a Super Bowl winning head coach, a guy that was considered to be one of the best head coaches here for a little while. But right now the Philadelphia Eagles not looking great. Lock it or mock it, Luke. Doug Peterson, are you buying it? I'm going to go with mock it. I'm a, I've okay. been a big Doug Peterson fan. I've mm-hmm. been a defender of his during times when things aren't that great. I'm not a huge Carson Wentz fan, but I think that team is well run. Um, I, I think that for one, the Eagles in the last couple of years have been absolutely decimated by injuries. And I think that mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure a lot of Philly fans are going to go out. Oh, that's like total excuse making, but I do think it's a valid excuse. If you don't have the horses, you can't win games like that. We've seen that, you know, I mean, we've seen that in the, in, LA and San Diego for the Chargers right. forever and ever. And it's just, it's a valid excuse. It's going to turn around eventually. It sucks. You have to be patient through it, but don't let a temporary problem like injuries turn into a permanent problem, like not having a good head coach. Mm-hmm. And I think Doug Peterson, listen, that Super Bowl run was a coaching masterpiece. That was some of the best coaching that I've ever seen. And boy, did I see it in the face in that <laughs> NFC championship game. That I will respect forever. And I think you get a lot of leash coming off of that. I would mm. not fire a head coach that won a Super Bowl three years ago when two of the three years since have been completely injury ridden. And by the way, still limped into the playoffs with that roster last year. So I, right. I just think the resume is too strong to, to fire somebody who, I, yeah, the, the decision to punt in overtime against the Bengals, that was really bad. And I think you should sure. probably point the finger at him for doing that. But there's a difference between saying, hey, I blame you for this bad decision. And hey, that decision was so bad. I think you should fire, be fired for it. And we're going to go all the way back to square one and try to rebuild this franchise from scratch. I don't yeah. think that's the way with, with the Eagles. So I'm, I'm going to go mock it. I, I think they should keep, keep him around. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you with that. I, I'm also interested to see, you know, 
what happens if you know Carson Wentz ends up you know being able to stay healthy and improve and all these other in all these other sort of question marks that flit around the quarterback position for them? Much like with the conversations we had about Sean Payton, if Carson Wentz ends up not being the guy, I would still want if I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I would want whoever the next guy is to be under Doug Peterson. I, I would much rather that you know in terms of having an established coach that knows what it is that is the culture of Philly and what it is that they want to be able to achieve out on the field. I think that is a bit of a clearer. Uh, definition in terms of uh, or, or or let me say projection into the future but you know we'll see exactly what it is that happens with these head coaches and how these storylines develop I have the feeling that this will be uh, far from the last time Luke that we talk about coaches in the hot seat yeah absolutely and just so that we don't get killed for not mentioning it uh, Dan Quinn lock it yeah he's yeah he's lock it go. bye Bye. Yeah, for sure. Got to go. He should have been fired Monday morning, by the way. Oh, Let God. me just yeah. say that. <laughs> it's just, it's a curse. Yeah. We only didn't talk about it because it was too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We get interesting. But hey, here's something that we're probably not going to throw out. Like, uh, that was something not in the hot seat. Bill Bar. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> They're in the they're they're in uh, what what's the opposite of the hot seat? They're in the comfy seat. The, the coldest they're the good of chair. They're in the good chair. The That's good chair. Yes. <laughs> the approved built bar is back and better than ever with a bunch of new flavors like cookies and cream and carrot cake, things that you totally shouldn't think that you can snack on when you're on a diet. But hey, with low calorie, low sugar, 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, you can indulge and not feel guilty about it. It's great for the healthy, conscious guy that's trying to lose or maintain weight. It's keto friendly. And it even has still all of your old favorite original flavors like peanut butter brownie. I love that one. Banana bread. That's Mm -hmm. a sneaky one. What's your favorite? I'm really a big fan of, I'm a huge mint chocolate guy. So mint brownie is like my absolute favorite. That is a clutch one. So if you want to get in on this, go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off of your next order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. From the best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue. To accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can, sports teams across the country are applying this popular philosophy by using stoicism's key idea, you control how you respond and play. You don't control what the refs and fans do or how the ball bounces. It's about what you did to adapt Lives of the Stoics, The Art of Living from Zeno and Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. All right, everybody. It is time to talk a little bit about fantasy football. So here with us, we have host of Locked On Cowboys. We have host, co-host of Locked On Dynasty. It is Marcus Mosher. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I guess I want to start with some of the interesting like waiver wire stuff that's going on because I think it's a tricky week to navigate. And since you know you do Locked On Cowboys, you probably know pretty intimately about this. But hey, Cedric Wilson had kind of a breakout game, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Is that for real should i be targeting that guy or is this one of those mirages that i maybe shouldn't drop somebody some depth to to go chase yeah so you're you're on the right track here right this is an offense that clearly is going to put up a bunch of points um you know Dak prescott is on fire right now but cedric wilson is a mirage so listen he he only played a few snaps on sunday week three um cd lamb got hurt on a punt return was in and out of the lineup in the second half uh, Wilson was the beneficiary of Lamb being out, uh, caught two long passes against uh, Seattle linebackers. I don't envision him having a big role going forward. At the very, very best, he's fourth in depth, on the depth chart and targets. Uh, he's a guy that you're going to want to leave on your waiver wire this week. 
Yeah, that's uh, that makes a lot of sense when these guys just kind of like pop in for a little bit and then happen to pop off in that time, if you will. Uh, I have a different wide receiver that I'm curious about, one that we have seen sort of develop a little bit of chemistry with his rookie quarterback, but he's also a rookie wide receiver himself. So it gives me a little bit of pause, but I'm curious about Cincinnati wide receiver T Higgins seems to have built some good chemistry with Joe Burrow. Is it something we can rely on or is that something that we just happened to see this week? Yeah, I like that name, Ross. I think that's a, a much better direction to go here. Mm. Uh, you know, I was really hoping that we would see a bounce back from AJ Green after a you know a bad week two game mm-hmm. uh, against the Browns. Man, it might it, it might just be over for AJ Green. I think this is it's T Higgins' time in, in uh, Cincinnati now. He finished the game with five receptions for forty yards and two touchdowns. What I like is the nine targets and actually there was two other big plays in this game that were taken back from penalties. Um, it's pretty clear he's becoming Joe Burrow's favorite outside receiver with mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd in the slot. Um, probably is going to maintain that, you know, streaky wide receiver, wide receiver three value in redraft leagues this year. Uh, but he's someone whose arrow is certainly pointing up. And if you got AJ green on your team right now, I would be worried. And I would think about potentially shipping him off to, uh, maybe another owner that's more optimistic than we are. <laughs> it's actually a really good idea. Trading away AJ green. I like it. Yeah, Someone's I mean, just, I, I just don't know. If there's, I, I don't know if there's there's much value, right? He had six targets in this game, only you know caught five passes for 36 yards. Just right. doesn't have a lot of juice left in his legs. Would not be all that surprised if the, he's somebody they look to move at the deadline, try to get him to a different situation. Uh, but it's pretty clear it's T Higgins' time in Cincinnati. Oh, that's fascinating. I could get lost in that one, but I, I need you to distract me before I get sidetracked. <laughs> Do you have any PSAs? Like, what's the like? W- give me a name to watch out for. A name to to think about. Um, who's who's your guy right now that people should really be like looking at, or maybe not looking at? Yeah, so I actually have two. We'll go through them really quickly. Um, the first one is Andy Isabella, uh, a second round pick by the Arizona Cardinals last year. Uh, basically, did nothing as a rookie all of a sudden starting to break out a little bit now with the Cardinals. Uh, we saw yesterday just a monster game, uh, four catches, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. In week two, he got two passes for 67 yards. Listen, if you're buying into this Arizona offense being one of the best in the league, I get it. Uh, but will the touchdown production always be there? I'm not so sure. But I mm-hmm. think the guy that you're going to want to pick up in your leagues this week didn't have a super strong week three performance. Uh, but that's Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver from the Chicago Bears. Um, he's a much better fit with Nick Foles, who will be starting in week four against the Indianapolis Colts. He's got a ton of speed. Uh, Foles can make plays down the field. Uh, and with him establishing himself as that third receiver in Chicago, Darnell Mooney has some interesting rest of season um, potential there with the Chicago Bears. I love that pick. Roll wave uh, for Darnell Mooney and any of the, the two-lane <laughs> two lane Absolutely. Fans out there uh, I, I love it marcus we appreciate you coming through and sharing some of that fantasy uh, knowledge and that fantasy expertise with you obviously you got a lot going on over at locked on cowboys a bit of a barn burner uh this weekend uh, you and landon doing a great job covering the cowboys over there but you've also got a lot going on over at locked on dynasty football can you give us a little bit about what you're going through this week yeah in case you guys missed our monday episode kate majuk and i talked about josh allen's dynasty value and uh, how many quarterbacks we would take over him uh, and I'll give you guys a little spoiler. It's not a lot. Uh, we might have saw two of those guys on Monday Night Football, and that's just about it. Uh, we also talked about some of the breakout stars, including Darrell Henderson, how much you should be uh, concerned about Drew Brees. We've got shows all week long, so make sure you guys are tuning into that.
Thank you guys so much for listening to this Tuesday edition of Locked on NFL. I'm Luke Braun. I'm on Locked on Vikings. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can, of course, find Ross at Locked on Saints. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. And of course, you can find Marcus on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher and on Locked on Cowboys and Locked on Dynasty Football. We're coming back at you tomorrow with Tony Wiggins and James Rapian. They are going to talk about the draft, of course, as always. So if your team is 0-3 like mine, then uh, you can <laughs> <laughs> maybe find a little bit of hope in that. But in the meantime, we will see you next time.